This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, that home cooking. They're finally home sweet home after a season-long six-game road trip in which they finished with a record of 4-2-0. In this episode, we will talk about the final game of that six-game trip against the Golden Knights on Monday. Obviously, a nice finish for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not a great start in that game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Jake Gensel because he's headed back to Las Vegas as part of the NHL All-Star game. We have a segment of Sully Speaks. We have a weekend preview for the Pittsburgh Penguins and we have our shout outs and call outs. So it's going to be a busy Thursday episode here at the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Before we get into any of that, Horwat, let's start off with the closing out of the Penguins' longest road trip of the season. When you're sitting here afterwards and you look back at those six games, how do you feel about this team right now? Not bad. I like taking four out of eight or six, uh, taking eight points out of 12. It sounds, sounds pretty solid. Maybe you would have wanted a ninth or a 10th to really solidify it. But for what it's worth, we were coming off of a big, long winning streak and we've set ourselves up with these wins to be in good position, uh, in the grand scheme of the metropolitan division. We're finally out of a wild card spot, right? We're in third now. No, we're back down to fourth after the the Capitals won on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, I should say. Damn it, those Capitals. Um, okay, but still, it's uh, we're moving up in the rankings. It's gonna now. It's just gonna be the dogfight for the rest of the year. Games in hand are flying back and forth with uh, COVID situations. Um, points are being thrown all over the place, especially with these four teams: the Rangers, the. Uh, Hurricanes, us, and the Capitals. I, by the way, the Rangers being up there. Who would have thunk it, really, this year? That high? Basically, Chris Drury, and that's it. <laughs> he, belie- he believed in his team. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and you should. I mean, we talked, I think we talked a lot last year about them being a good team. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if we would have pegged them to be second place in the Metro halfway through the season. Yeah. I think maybe a wild card position would have made a lot more sense, but here they are, and it's a hell of a division. It's going to be a dogfight for the rest of the year, and here's where it all begins because we are at about the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For that road trip, I like it. Again, you you don't like losing, but you know it's got to happen, and it it's good that we were able to bounce back from either loss, really. Mm-hmm. When you look at the schedule of that road trip, it it was not an easy road trip to go on. I mean, the California road trip, first and foremost, you know you're going to spend a lot of time, you know, in a plane, especially starting out in Philly, then going down to Dallas, then finally making it over to the West Coast and playing in California. And all those teams have had pretty good seasons. And then, of course, the best of all of these teams is the Vegas Golden Knights. So let's talk about that game from Monday evening. Of course, late Monday evening, the 10 o'clock start time. I think the Penguins only have about one or two more. They still have to play at Colorado, and they have to play at Arizona. I don't know what the start times are there, but I know they're obviously probably going to be later starts. But uh, the Penguins win on Monday night by a score of 5-3. to three. Before the game even started, they got a nice little insurgence of just health, 
and, and skill as Jason Zucker returns from a long-term injury and Brian Russ returns from the COVID-19 protocol. Those two, of course, automatically instilled in the Penguins' top six and automatically makes this team look way more complete and way more healthy when the Lions get balanced out. But it did not start off well in the first period. Penguins go down three to nothing. Tristan Jari gives up three goals on seven shots. And then it's total then would have been seven goals in the previous two periods. Did you watch this game first and foremost live, Horwat? I know both of us were on and off whether or not we could watch the games live on the West Coast. Did you watch it live, and what did you think after the first period? So I've had a hell of a week. I was not able to watch it live. I was working when this happened. Um, it was a concert, so I was there until kind of late. Um, I got the three notifications quickly that the Golden Knights were up 3 nothing, and I said, well, this game's a wash, isn't it? And as I'm driving home, I got in the car... And the first commercial break I hear is that it's three to two. And I went, what the hell just happened? I was like, <laughs> we are in this all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried listening to as much as I could, but I was exhausted after work. So I believe I fell asleep before the last few goals went in. I think I remember mm-hmm. hearing us tie it at least. Um, yeah. And I haven't watched highlights yet. I was literally watching them as you sent the link. And then I stopped yeah, so I haven't seen anything that we've done yet with my own eyes. I've heard some of it though, but regardless, okay. seeing the score, seeing a box score go from three nothing to five to three, I mean, you got to be proud of something. And Jeff Carter's quote of when we tur- of uh, what was the turning point? And he said when we turned our shit around at intermission. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've at least been able to catch all that. So pulling all that together, I can say this team doesn't have quit. Mm-hmm. regardless of how um, we may not play the full 60 again, kicking our ass, or that we kind of give up on something sometimes. But that was one of the Penguins' big things last year is that they didn't have quit in them, and they could be down, but you couldn't count them out yet. And that, mm-hmm. that's good to see that continuing here. Yeah, if you combine Jeff Carter's quote that you just mentioned with the fact that Mike Sullivan, when he was asked about it after the game, he said, listen, my conversation was brief and to the point with the guys after the first period, but mainly it was the trust that the leaders have and the way that the leaders can take care of that locker room. So it goes to show that this is a team that is playing together. This is a team that is bonding together, that it's going to be hard for them to feel like they're ever out of it because one, they have such offensive firepower, two, Tristan Jari, whenever he does what he was able to do in the second and third period, which was flip the switch, get back to all-star Tristan Jari for the first time since actually being named an all-star this year, this team can flip a switch and change the course of a game on a dime. And that's what we saw on Monday night. Like I mentioned, Tristan Jari, seven goals allowed in the previous two periods. That's the third period of the Kings game and the first period of this game against the Golden Knights. The Penguins gave up a power play goal in the first period, something that they don't often do this season. So... It was not great in the first period, but they responded with one of the best periods of the season. Zucker gets a power play goal in the second. Bluger gets a goal basically right after that off a nice play by Brian Boyle. My question there, before we get into the third period where the Penguins were down 3-2 going into it, is Brian Boyle to you the 13th forward on this team or is it Dominic Simone? Because it seems like it's between those two. I would say Brian Boyle because he's got, obviously he's got more NHL experience. Uh, but I think he's got a little more experience as a center too. And centers you're able to kind of utilize as a winger as well if you need it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not their sole position, but I always look at 
I always feel like you can move a center to the wing, but you can't move a wing to the center, and that's for the sake of faceoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like you would want to utilize Brian Boyle more than Dom Simone in terms of the thirteenth man, but uh, I could see a, I could see the argument for both sides in this. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I I'm leaning too because these two guys are two vastly different players. I mean, you look at Brian Boyle; he's the truculence, as you like to say, and, and as Brian Burke likes to say, he's the bigger guy. He's a physical guy. He's a penalty killer, and he's a guy that can play center, can play wing, and we all know that that's what Mike Sullivan loves in a lot of his players. So, in a, as a, for a thor, for a thirteenth forward. He's a good option there. But also Dom Simone, if you need to play a quicker game against a team, I think it's all about matchups whenever one of these guys needs to be in. Now, here's the big thing. It'd be nice if neither of them had to be in the lineup, which we're getting closer to that, knock on wood. We're getting closer to that as Danton Heinen and Zach Aston-Reese are back at practice and out of COVID protocol. But if I'm picking between the two, I'm picking Brian Boyle. I like that experience. I like that kind of just maturity on the bench as well. I mean, he's a big part of that leadership group that Sullivan was talking about in that post-game press conference. It's not just your Crosbys, your Malkins, your Latangs, your Dumoulins even. Brian Boyle's a big guy. He's probably the spearheaded leader on the bottom six right now. I mean, especially, and also on the penalty kill. So you look at this team, there's not very many holes, and it's nice to have a guy like Brian Boyle as your 13th forward, but I could also see the fact that if they need to play a speed game, if they need to try to skate circles around a team, Dominic Simone's a better option in that respect. But either way, I think they're both really good options as a 13th guy in the lineup. Yeah, they are. Like, I could see the argument for both sides. I just We both just lean one way, and that's the veteran, Brian yeah. Boyle, who you're able to utilize in a bit more of a 13th forward type role. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the third period really quickly before we move on, because we, again, very long show today. We have... Three games in the next four days. We have Jake Gensel making the the all-star game. Obviously, we always love to have shout-outs and call-outs, so we'll finish off the show with that. But in the third period of play for the Penguins, coming into it down 3-2, to but having all of the momentum coming out of the second period. Jason Zucker gets his second goal of the game. Triumphant return. The problem with him was no finish. We'll talk about Jason Zucker a little bit more when we do our Sully Speaks. But he gets his second of the game. Then Jake Gensel... Gets a beautiful wraparound goal just a couple minutes later. His 20th goal of the season. And then get this. Jake Gensel, that makes his fifth straight 20-goal season. (laughs) Out of six total seasons. And it's like, oh yeah, he only played half a season his rookie year. He probably didn't get close to it. Oh no. His rookie season, he had 16 goals in 40 games. So this guy has been an absolute bombshell of a goal scorer in the NHL ever since he made his debut. But that just means, with that goal on Monday, fifth straight 20 goal season absolutely crazy from jake gensel and to think one of those seasons he missed half of it really yeah you're not i mean obviously not the rookie season but then there was the his shoulder injury i guess he missed a little less than half because the ending was cut short but Mm -hmm. he scored his 20th goal and busted up his shoulder so he was able to hit that watermark and Mm -hmm. call it a season but yeah the when I mean, are we already having the discussions? Have we already had the discussion of the elite uh, label for goal scoring? I don't know. If, I don't know if we have, but I think we. I mean, we can have that discussion right now. Because I know you. Like, I think he is. With that word. Yeah, but I, I think he is at this point. Yeah. And me too. I think once obviously. you get to this point, once you get to the point of having five straight twenty goal seasons, throw in a forty goal season there as well. I think that's when you start to get to the level of elite. Start looking at the paces of some of those seasons too. I mean, there's a couple mm-hmm. of. 
shortened years. Uh, like I mentioned, his injury year last season. Count those as 82 game seasons, and it's you know we're looking at higher numbers than that. I'm trying to. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I'm trying to like think of maybe we're talking two straight 40s, and he's working on a third. Mm-hmm. It's all about the numbers and it's goal scoring numbers. That's something this team hasn't seen a lot of over the years. Like, yeah, Sidney Crosby can score goals. Yeah, Evgeny Malkin can score goals, but more or less Crosby, they're known as playmakers. Mm-hmm. Gino can score, yeah. Um, but he's kind of molded into a playmaker. When we got Phil Kessel, what did we turn him into? What did we turn noted sniper Phil Kessel into? One of the one of the best playmakers in the game. So now that we see Jake Gensel flying in here, who can also, you know, dish the puck pretty well, we're seeing someone who whose sole purpose pretty much is scoring goals, not just collecting assists, but scoring goals. Those are rarities these days. You know, you like the guys who can, you know, do ev- do all of it, pass, shoot, and uh, play defense. Jake can do all that. It's just he's got this elite level of goal scoring that's different about him. So looking at Jake Gensel's career, like I said, first season, 16 goals in 40 games. That's a great pace for a rookie. His second year, he played all 82 games. He scored 22 goals. Third year in 1819, that was the 40-goal season in 82 games. The year following was his shoulder injury season, 20 goals in 39 games. And then last year, he had 23 goals in 56 games. A little bit of a dip in production as of where he was going because he was trending upwards that whole time. A dip last year, but also remember, he had to take on a different role playing that net front because Patrick Hornquist was gone. So he's already changing his game as well. And now you look at this year, 20 goals in just 32 games played. I think we could safely label him an elite goal scorer in this hockey league because he's done it consistently. You look at another player that is considered an elite goal scorer, at least was considered an elite goal scorer, and Patrick Laine. He doesn't have the consistency that Jake Gensel has had in similar sample sizes as well. So I know a lot of people want to want to mention the fact that he's playing with Sidney Crosby. No. Listen, he makes his own plays. He sets Crosby up just as much as he gets set up, and... I don't want to hear anything about Sidney Crosby's playmaking when you look at that goal that he scored on Monday. That is a beautiful wraparound goal, and a lot of his goals can be attributed to just his flat-out success as a fantastic goal scorer in this league. So I know I'm a little picky and a little stingy with the word elite, especially when it comes to goal scoring, but Jake Gensel, I believe, has reached that tier to me. It's Yeah, absolutely. That's totally fair. I, I think he's been at that elite level for a while. We just haven't been able to... Fully back it up. Now that we're seeing this many straight 20 goal seasons in shortened shortened years, no less. Yeah. Through a pandemic, through an injury, and through some harsh times in terms of fan acceptance with this team. Mm-hmm. It's good to see that he's able to, you know, officially be labeled as that elite goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Stamp it on. That's what I was doing there. Yeah. No, I I like what you did there. And also, we'll talk about the fact that he is now going to be going to his first All-Star game, even though it is his second selection. So we'll talk about Gensel a little bit later, but just to close out this Penguins versus Vegas Golden Knights game, much better defensive hockey in the Final 40, something we didn't see in the previous two games. They gave up a lot of shots to the Kings. They gave up a lot of shots to the Sharks. They were able to protect and insulate Tristan Jari a little bit better. And when they didn't, Jari was able to settle in and get back to his game, which is, again... 
Very nice combination there. And the Penguins finished off this road trip in the final two periods on a very high note, heading into a lot of home games. We'll talk about it. Seven of the next eight games are at home, but that final road game in Vegas, great analytic numbers at 5-on-5 when you consider the fact that they had such a poor first period. They finished with 51.85% of the scoring chances for, 68.18% of the high-danger scoring chances for, and 60.83% of the expected goals for all at 5-on-5. So they finished off with fantastic numbers, albeit not even basically trying. or Not that they're not trying, but not playing well in the first 20. It's the not playing the full 60. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Once they start doing that, look the hell out. The train is not stopping. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, what, what do you make of this trip? Do you think this tells us more about the Pittsburgh Penguins than the 10-game win streak in whole, or do you think it tells us a little bit less than that 10-game win streak did? I don't know. It tells us that this team is A, human, and B, can battle back. Mm -hmm. And is and should finally we haven't really seen it too we haven't seen too many ba uh, comebacks this year so it's good to see that we still have that never say die attitude going in uh, game in and game out it just has to now relate into playing all sixty mm -hmm. if Jeff Carter's going to say when we got our shit together all right start getting your shit together before after warmups how about that yeah so we can play that whole sixty. Um, We've seen this team be really good this year. We've seen this team be really bad this year. As for if it tells us more or less, I don't really know. I just know that um, this team can't be counted out again. I mean, I'd like mm -hmm. to see it one or two more times to really uh, solidify that thought. But for now, this team should be feared in the league and looked at as a true, you know, fierce opponent. When I look at this road trip do I think it tells us more than the 10 game win streak I would say it does because when everything's going right yeah it's easy to keep that ball rolling the snowball down the hill metaphor and everything such as that when you lose that 10 game win streak when you get smacked in the face like they did on this trip they finished four and two if they would have finished three and three on this trip I think all of us would have looked at it and said you know that's not bad coming off of that win streak you knew you were going to play some some rough hockey whenever it all ended and they did. There were there were times in this road trip where they played some really, you know, tough hockey where it did not look good. But coming out with eight of a possible 12 points, four wins out of six, three one and oh since Malkin's return, not to mention the fact that they left multiple players behind in different cities. Yeah. I mean, you think about the fact that they left players behind in Dallas for a couple of days or even five days. They left players in a hotel room in Anaheim for a couple of days that are just returning to the team today. Really, honestly, as we're recording this, which is Wednesday, there's players that are just returning today. So the fact that they dealt with that, plus everything else, and a returning of Guinea Malkin that could switch around the team's chemistry, I thought they handled it really, really well. And now they're going to get rewarded with a lot of home cooking. Like I said, seven of the next eight games happening at PPG Paints Arena. And that's even before the NHL reschedules games, which should be coming out, honestly, any minute at this point. Yeah, I guess they would have to be coming soon. When is the exact All-Star game again? What's that? What's the date for that? The, the 3rd and 4th of February is All-Star weekend. Oh, okay. So we have that game at home against Washington, and then Thursday is the 3rd, Friday is the 4th, Saturday is the 5th. Okay. Yeah, they got, then they got mm -hmm. those two weeks right after. 
soon enough those will be getting scheduled in obviously <clears throat> but it's just a matter of when and what days they get in there yeah so it's really just at this point i mean it's nice that they were able to get that over with they're sitting in good standing after a really really long road trip and now look at the teams they're playing as well they're playing a lot of pacific or western conference teams not necessarily pacific so western conference teams and lower eastern conference teams you know you got the Red Wings who are below them. They're playing a lot of teams underneath them in the standings. They do have, you know, that game against Washington that you mentioned, but realistically, these are games that you should be competing in, if not winning a good majority of them, if you want to move up the standings as they have been as of late. Yeah, I think looking ahead, we have Ottawa, Columbus, who we haven't seen yet, Winnipeg on a weekend, Arizona's coming in, Seattle's coming in, the Kings are coming in. Those are, I mean, the Kings, you know, kick shit out of us, but... Yeah, those aren't the hardest teams to play against to finish off this month. I mean, mm-hmm. I skipped over Detroit because I forget what they're doing now. I re- remember them being pretty good. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg is Winnipeg. I guess they're okay, better than Edmonton at this point, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that later in the show. Cool. Yeah, it, it's gonna be like I said. I don't want to say easy because it is still hockey, but it is going to be a lighter load uh, to finish off the month. Mm-hmm. So let's talk really quickly before we head to break about Jake Gensel. He was technically voted as the last man in. Actually, technically, he finished second in, second in the voting. But Mika Zibanejad of the New York Rangers is unable to go. So Jake Gensel gets the nod. It'll be his first appearance at the All-Star Game. Second selection to the NHL All-Star Game. This season, he has 20 goals and 38 points in 32 games played. He's been, you know, All-Star caliber this season. So well-deserved for Jake Gensel. And like we mentioned... He missed the last one due to that shoulder injury in 2019-20. He was on that same pace. Actually, I think he's better this year than he was that season. And guess what else was the was the interesting tidbit that season? Sidney Crosby was missing time due to core muscle surgery. Right. Sidney Crosby missed time this year. Evgeny Malkin missed time this year. Jake Gensel, he has stepped up in times where the stars of this team is out. So that is something else that you have to take into account when talking about Jake Gensel. You're, he does. I Actually, it's funny you mentioned the Sidney Crosby injuries because I just saw on Twitter that I think it's Barstool is commemorate is honoring Ben and like his career mm-hmm. uh, through his list of injuries on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that you might need more than one T-shirt for that first what? half of career, second half of career on the back. Oh, man, pretty much, but I'm thinking I want to see something like that for Sid at the end of his career. <laughs> yeah, it would also be in a, a very extensive list for there as well. But uh, no, when you look at Gensel. Points in 20 of the last 21 games played oh, yeah. in that stretch. 17 goals, 30 points in his last 21 games played. So the guy is on an absolute tear right now through the NHL. And, and rightfully so, he'll be headed to Vegas as the second of the Pittsburgh Penguins All-Stars joining Tristan Jari, who was initially voted to the game. Yep, it'll be a fun... And now, now the Penguins, Penguins fans have to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I was going to watch anyway, but it's a lot more fun having a player there, especially a guy like Jake Gensel, who's a young player who doesn't necessarily get his due across the National Hockey League. It'll be nice to see him shine with the rest of the stars of the league. Yeah, I guess we had to watch anyway because it's with ESPN now, and it should be bigger and Mm -hmm. better in some sort of way. So we had to watch anyway just to make sure everything's A-OK on ESPN, but um, now we have... And Jari there was cool, but getting the illegal score like we just talked about Jake Gensel to go to is uh, even better and gives all the more reason to put some eyeballs on the screen. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we have a quick segment 
of Sully Speak, and then we'll preview the Pittsburgh Penguins weekend. We'll be right back. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action for the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to start off this segment with a little Sully Speak, and if you are new to the program, Sully Speak is when we take a nice little snippet from Mike Sullivan's press conference, we break it down, and we react to what we see. This one coming from his post-game press conference on Monday, following the Penguins' 5-3 win against the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, we knew he was going to play with a lot of energy. You know, he's in his hometown. Yesterday was his birthday. Uh, he was excited to get back in the lineup. So we knew we were going to get a guy that was going to play in an inspired game, and I thought he did that. You know, he's Zucks are, is a real good player. You know, as I said the other day when I was asked about, you know, his overall game this year and, and saying that the only thing that, that hasn't been there in our mind is, is just a little bit of finish. You know, it's, it hasn't been from a lack of, a lack of opportunity. Uh, and matter of fact, he's been one of our leading guys with respect to primary scoring chances in, in, the, in the games that he's played in. So, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously thrilled for him. Uh, I'm sure that that's, uh, that should give him a boost of confidence. But, you know, we believe he's a, he's a real good player. Uh, you know, when, when he played with uh, Gino and Cappy uh, in, the, you know, in the first round last year in the playoffs, you know, we really liked that line and what, and what they were able to accomplish. So that we believe that that line has the makings of being a pretty explosive line. That's head coach Mike Sullivan after Monday night's game against the Vegas Golden Knights, talking about Jason Zucker in his first game back after a week-to-week injury for his lower body. Also mentioning the fact that he likes him on the line with Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen. Horwat, does that sound like a guy and a guy in Zucker who sounds like he's going to be on the trading block? Possibly. Up that trade value, put him with those players who we know can play, uh, watch him perform, build some stats, and then poof, out the door. But at the same time, I first of all, I, to- I always forget Jason Zucker is from out west. I, he said hometown. Yeah. I said, who are we talking about? Who's from out there? I always forget Jason <laughs> Zucker's from California. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I always just assume he's from Minnesota. I don't know why. But... Yeah, I think sticking him with the good guys, it, They this team does like seeing him play there because we're paying him to do that, and it's kind of why we got him in the first place. 
But when it's not working out, I mean, his two goals last night were his first goals in, even without an injury, a lot of games. I mean, he hasn't scored a goal. He's got a couple assists in there, not a ton. But he hasn't scored a goal before last night since uh, November 22nd. That's all of December. Admittedly, you were hurt for the last half of it, but still. The Penguins didn't play a lot in that last half either. So I don't know how many genuine games Jason Zucker really missed. I'm trying to just remember. But just, you got to be better than that. And hopefully, hopefully you know, playing with those two does it. I'd, I'd love to see him yeah. you know, take off and be a good player. But I think it might be good for him to find a change of scenery. I don't know. When Jason Zucker was initially traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum because he is a, a heavy topic of discussion among Penguins Twitter, among Penguins, you know, media. It's the fact that he came over as a 20-goal scorer, a perennial 20-goal scorer. We already talked this episode of what Jake Gensel has become with five straight 20-goal seasons. That's about the same level that, that Jason Zucker was on, maybe a little bit lower. I don't think anybody was ever calling him elite, but he was still a 20-goal scorer, a guy that was known for putting the puck in the back of the net. And he has struggled since becoming a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, other than that brief stint in that first season in 2019-20 when he played alongside Sidney Crosby. But a lot of people didn't want to see him on the second line with Malkin when he returned. That's exactly where he went because Mike Sullivan still has faith in this guy. And when you heard him say the fact that, you know, this guy is always leading us in the games that he plays in high danger chances and in great scoring chances, it sounds like a guy that, the coaching staff has tremendous faith in and it doesn't sound like a guy that they'd be willing to trade. And I know that at the end of the day, it's not Mike Sullivan's decision, whether or not Jason Zucker stays or if he goes. But when you hear a coach speak that highly of him, I know you could always say, maybe he's just trying to up the trade value. When I hear him say stuff like, I love what I see him with Kapanen and Malkin. And also when it says, it seems like he does everything right, except a little bit of finish. That sounds like a player that Mike Sullivan wants to keep on this team. So I always thought, especially the last couple of months when he was injured, when he wasn't scoring prior to his injury, that he was a guy that's probably on the top of the trade block for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hearing these comments, and they are just comments, so take them with a little bit of a grain of salt, but hearing these comments makes me think, doesn't sound like a guy who's going to be on the trade block come the deadline here in two months. No, I guess it really doesn't. It's just, he is right though. I mean, he's fifth on the team in uh, shots. And that's mm-hmm. while missing seven of the games. Just you look at it, especially the se- the the season that Zucker wanted to have. He came in saying he had to shoot more. He came in saying he had to score more, and that would happen by shooting the puck more. Clearly, he's doing that. I mean, maybe we're just giving him his fair shake on it, and that's perfectly okay. He's a good. It's not like he's a bad player in any sense of the means. He's not you know, mm-hmm. bringing this team down a peg. He's not hurting yeah. this team. He is helping them. He's not a liability, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So I'm perfectly okay mm-hmm. with keeping him around, too. Whatever we have to do to help him get better, help him improve his game and see him take off, I'm all for it. it the numbers don't mm-hmm. look great right now in those 31 games, only six goals and seven assists, but stuff takes time, maybe. I think the one thing that we've seen this year that's different from last season, especially when he plays on that second line with Malkin last year, it just seemed like he was a passenger. 
This year, it seems like he's actually trying to force the issue and is genuinely not getting good puck luck. He got good puck luck on Monday, and he got two goals. But he doesn't seem like a passenger, and I think that's a positive. Now, do I think that he deserves to be on that line over a guy like Evan Rodriguez? Not necessarily, and we'll talk about the lineup here in a minute. But honestly, as long as he's not a passenger, I'm okay with him taking up the left side on that second yeah, line. Yeah, I'm about that. Like I said, he's, as long as he can hold to his word where he said he's got to shoot and score more, I can put him wherever. Yeah. So let's talk really quickly before we move into a preview of this weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins, because it'll be a busy weekend for the boys in black and gold. Before we get to that, let's discuss the fact that, you know, it seems like Zucker, barring a monumental drought on his case, or at least a second one this year, will be on that second line. Let's pull up the roster and the lineup from Monday night's game, because it seems like the Penguins are getting close to full health. Here's what their lineup looked like on the forward side. Gensel, Crosby, Rust, Zucker, Malkin, Kapanen. And then the bottom six, because at that day, the Penguins were only missing Zach Aston Reese and Danton Heinen. It looks like Mike Sullivan set up this lineup to where he can just plug and play those two guys when they come back to healthy. Simone, Carter, Rodriguez, I would imagine that that Simone spot is reserved for Danton Heinen. Boyle, Bluger, McGinn, I would imagine that Boyle spot is reserved for Zach Aston Reese. So that's basically what the lineup's going to look like. It's become a little bit more clear as to what Mike Sullivan thinks of this team at full health, which again, knock on wood, that we get to see it for more than one game. But with full health, that's what this lineup appears to be. Horal, what do you think of this lineup as an I enjoy it. This is uh, Mm -hmm. almost exactly what I wanted to see. I can't think of too many faults that that are sticking out to me. Dan Heinen has shocked the world and is going to be useful wherever he goes. Yep. Um, and Brian Boyle, like we mentioned, being a 13th guy, or swapping Boyle and Simone for thir- as 13th guys, depending on uh, necessity for a game, I like that option. That's a good little piece of, it's a good little utilization of those guys. And obviously that's Zach Asterisa's spot. There's no question about that. We love putting that fourth line together and gluing it together. Um, it might be the second most glued fourth line aside from the Islanders' fourth line. Mm-hmm. When I look at this lineup, and yeah, I think Evan Rodriguez, it stinks that he gets demoted to the third line. But also at the same time, you look at that line, Jeff Carter has 11 goals. Evan Rodriguez has 15. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Danton Heinen has 9 or 10. That's probably one of your highest scoring oh, yeah. lines right now when it comes to the actual statistics. Now I understand Evgeny Malkin has only played how many games, but that line as a third line is heavily dangerous in the offensive zone. And then, of course, we already know how that Bluger, McGinn, Zach, Aston, Reese line can play. So when I look at that lineup, I think it could stack up against basically anybody in the Eastern Conference, probably anybody in the league, at least at Dan Hyde has nine goals, by the way. So, yes, pretty close. Yeah, that's I like that line. And I've said it. I mean, Rodriguez can't hold that pace forever. No, but at the same time, when he's playing this well, wouldn't you want to... Like, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. The only person that I would knock out of the top six for Evan Rodriguez is mm-hmm. Jason Zucker. We just had a long conversation about why it's okay that he's at the second in the second line. So these are great problems to have for Mike Sullivan. And when I look at this lineup, I mean, this is a lineup that has only been seen on cap friendly when people are putting lineups together this has only been seen on the notes app when people are putting them together it has not been seen on the ice at all ever so the fact that we might see that this weekend potentially is something that is 
absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you also look at the back end that has been set basically for a long time now. And the only person other than those two forwards that's missing right now is Casey DeSmith. And I, I don't think that he gets the next start as a backup. I think Louis Domingue gets a start Give him this that weekend. Nod. I look at Evan Rodriguez, though, as let's say he does keep up that pace or it returns to earth a little, but he's still, you know, bonkers. That's a third line threat. Why? Are we, that's nothing to that complain is. about then. Just tell him to don't change your game. Your minutes might be a touch lower, especially with, you know, Mike Sullivan here who doesn't like numbering the lines. That's just a third line threat now. That's all that is. And I, you got to appreciate that. Because now you can look at all Think four up. lines and say, there's someone on each line here. Maybe not the fourth, because that's our defensive line, but Brock, but Brock McGinn might come into his own. There's someone on each line here who can produce offensively. Mm-hmm. This is good stuff all around. Yeah, and I also, one last thing before we move on to a weekend preview for the Pittsburgh Penguins. When I look at this lineup, and I look at that third line, I think of last postseason. And we loved the third line last postseason of Jeff Carter... Jared McCann, and, oh yeah, Frederick Gaudreau. Evan Rodriguez is a much higher scoring threat this season than Freddie Gaudreau was last season. So the fact that we were comfortable with that third line last year heading into the playoffs and in that first round series, I would think, honestly, I think Danton Heinen is an upgrade or at least leveled out with Jared McCann. And I think Evan Rodriguez is far and away an upgrade offensively than Freddie Gaudreau is. And these guys are all defensively responsible. This is a better third line this year than it was during the playoffs yeah, last season. And we were a good team in the playoffs last season. We just couldn't get a save. Now, if, even if Jari doesn't make saves, hell, if we can win it, win it in a firefight, screw it. That's a way to win, right? You don't want to do that every game, but mm-hmm. sometimes you need to win those firefights. And the way I also look at this, too, is three of those four forward lines are phenomenal in their own zone. I mean, this team, this team's trademark this year has been defensive hockey. So the, even if it is a firefight, even if Justin Jari isn't on his game, I think the team is in a much better position defensively to be able to insulate. Look the at the protector. Vegas game. Exactly. Look at the Vegas game. Jari led up three early. I did see that first goal he let in. Dear Lord, man. Let's say he's doing, let's yeah. say he's pulling that shit in the playoffs. Yeah. Guess what? We can shut it down defensively from a forwards and defenseman's aspect and then the fours can pop off and score five. Jari just has to make his mm-hmm. couple. I don't know how many shots Vegas had. I don't know how many more they were able to rip on him. 26. 26 is, that's not too high. I'm trying to remember, like, the average usually a, sits around 30. 30 to 32, I think, is what we usually see. But I feel like anything lower than 30 is a yeah. low-shooting game, especially against a team that's in first place that's in exactly the That's exactly the way I look at that, too. It's anything below 30, it's, okay, they didn't average 10 shots, period. That sounds below average. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if we shut them down and stop them from shooting the puck. I also, I mean, that's exactly what I want to see. Especially if the goalie, let's say it's Louis Domingue in there. Let's say it's Casey DeSmith in there, too. Those guys we are not fully confident in yet, but mm-hmm. uh, shutting down shots is a perfect way to build some confidence in your goalie and for your goalie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, win those firefights. So now let's talk about the Penguins weekend because they're going to have three games in four days. Two of them at PPG Paints Arena. The other one that is on the road will be in Columbus. So like a pseudo half home game, it always seems like, against the Blue Jackets. Let's preview each of these games. 
I'm not going to delve too deep into them, but talk about all three of them because all three of them will happen before we come to you next on Monday. Crazy weekend. But Thursday night will be the first matchup. It'll be against the Ottawa Senators. The only other matchup between these two teams this season was a 6-3 to loss by the Pittsburgh Penguins back in November in Ottawa. So we will get to see Evgeny Malkin make his first game at PPG Paints Arena this season. It'll also be the first time that Evgeny Malkin plays in front of a full-capacity home crowd since before the COVID-19 pandemic started. Crazy to think that he's never played in front of a full crowd since back in 2020, and now it's already January of 2022. So I'm sure he'll be revved up for the game, but when you look at the Ottawa side of things, they're in second to last place in the East. They give up a lot of goals. They're fifth worst in the National Hockey League in goals allowed per game, but they do have some offensive firepower. I mean, you look at Drake Batherson. He's headed to the All-Star game. Josh Norris has had a great start to his career, and Captain Brady Kachuk, Always a threat to score. Always, you know, the epitome of a Kachuk. That's basically what he is. But we always know what the biggest storyline coming into this game is. And it's not going to be the fact that Zach Aston Reese and Danton Heinen, according to Mike Sullivan, they're available to play Thursday. But are they ready? That's a different question. That's what he just said to Michelle Cracchiolo of Penn's Inside Scoop. So we'll see if they come into the lineup and we see that full lineup that we talked about. But one thing we probably will see is Matt Murray's return to Pittsburgh for the first time since being traded to the Ottawa Senators. Will he start? Different question. Will he be with the team that flies into Pittsburgh on Thursday? Yes, he will. That was said, there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter about uh, they hope he gets to play. They hope, uh, the I mean, I haven't seen this one, but I hope the fans are nice to him. Dear God, please. Man won you two Stanley Cups. That video's yeah. it should, not as emotional as flurries by any stretch of the means, but deserves an ovation of sort uh, and appreciate the things that that man did for your organization because he was a kid at the time. <laughs> did yeah. we treat him poorly on the way out from a fan's perspective? Yeah, yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Whether some of those stories were real or not. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it'll be good. I hope he does come back and play. I, I, don't, I don't say I hope he kicks our ass, but I hope he plays a good game. Screw it. I know Ottawa's not great, but... Um, to see Matt Murray just still be a good goalie, is, given the start he had, it's sad seeing it really regress to damn near nothingness. Yeah, this is a game that the Penguins should win. Obviously, they're looking for a little bit of revenge. That 6-3 to game back in November was an embarrassment for the Penguins. It was followed up by an embarrassment for the Penguins whenever they got absolutely trounced in Washington, D.C., losing 6-1. to that was, a, that was a rough weekend for the Penguins. They're in much better terms now. They're in much better health. With Malkin's first game back, I expect him to score a goal. I really do. He has four points in, what, four games since returning to the lineup. I see him scoring a goal in his first game back at the paint bucket at full capacity. So do I think Matt Murray's return is going to be emotional? Yeah, as it should be, because this is a guy that, as you mentioned, won the Penguins' two Stanley Cups. Is this a game that should be close? No. This is a game that... First of all, Tristan Jari should start in this game. Both of these teams in these back-to-back, the Sens and the Blue Jackets, are not fantastic. But when you look at the two goaltenders, start Jari in the first game. I mean, the statistics show that the team's going to play better in the first of a back-to-back. Give him the better goaltender. Let's see Tristan Jari. And also, let's see Tristan Jari versus Matt Murray. It's storybook stuff like that that helps get through the dog days of the NHL season. And this is one of those storybook things. Matt Murray taking on Tristan Jari for the first time. Back at PPG Paints Arena. I'd love to see it. But I also think that the Penguins would love to have a great game in this one and take the win, which is what I think they should be doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would hope they win too. So after that game, 
They'll take on the, the Columbus Blue Jackets in the second half of a back-to-back. This one will be on the road. I believe they should start Louis Domingue, even if Casey DeSmith is ready, as we just saw. I think they need to give Louis Domingue another nod to see what they have in him. Because, as we mentioned, last year, they couldn't go to Max Legasse because they didn't trust him. They only had one game. Louis Domingue only has one game. Give him another shot. Casey Smith coming off of COVID. Why throw him into the firing range with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Let Louis Domingue get that start. See if what you had in him in that game against the, the Sharks carries over to a game against a division rival in the Columbus Blue Jackets. And surprisingly, this is also going to be the first of four matchups that we'll see Columbus already this season. And it's already the end of January. So lots of Columbus coming up in the next two months. This will be the first of four. I like that idea too, especially with travel. I know it's not far travel, but especially with travel at all, you let Jari get in to Pittsburgh now, rest up, get your practices in, play against Ottawa, and just no skin off the nose of Louis Domingue, who then just has to travel and play on uh, Friday. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like the idea of Domingue playing there as well. And it's the first time seeing Columbus, who is not as good as anybody thought they would be this year. Uh, I think they're starting to come back to what I expected of them. I thought Damn they started it. off a lot better than than I ever w- could have imagined. I mean, they do have a lot of good players there, surprisingly. I mean, you see a lot of players that have came out this season, you know, Igor Chinnikov, those type of players, uh, Alexander Texier. They're a lot better than, than we previously expected, but they're still not a great team. You know, they still are missing a lot of pieces. They have allowed the third most amount of goals in the NHL. The Penguins are going to score a lot of goals on Thursday and Friday. If you take anything from this, you're going to see a lot of red lamps, or should see a lot of red lamps in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But here's the thing with the Blue Jackets. They're pretty good offensively. They're 12th in the NHL in scoring. I mean, pretty solid scoring depth throughout their entire lineup. Jacob Voracek in his first year in Columbus, or at least back in Columbus, really good. Oliver Bjorkstrand having a great season. I already mentioned Texier. And then... The captain's bump to Boone Jenner. He got named the captain. He has 15 goals this year. When have you thought of Boone Jenner as a goal scorer? Well, he is that for this season for the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a team that has a lot of scoring potential. We already didn't even mention Max Domi's on that team. Patrick Laine, eventually he has to get going, right? Does he at this point? Does he, he? He has all of the natural talent. Why can't he put it together? Nobody knows, but he only has five goals this season in 17 games. Wow. Oh, only in 17? He's only played 17 games. Okay. I thought, like, genuinely he just has... If if he would have said five goals through this part of the season, I would have said, he's done. He's cooked. Yeah. It's also his first full year with Columbus. So, you know, we don't know what's going on with him. Can't stay healthy. Can't stay, I guess, mentally healthy. I don't know. It seems like he's a head case, and it might not be mental illness, and I don't want to I don't want to by any means make a joke about that, but it could just be head games. He could be a head case. I don't know what it is with this guy, but he's a guy that has threatened to score 50 goals before in a season early in his, his career, and he's still very young. He just can't seem to put it together. Some players just get red mist. That's kind of what you were going for with the yes. head case thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the line A discussion is so hard to have. It's such a long discussion that has way more questions than answers. It's almost not worth getting into half the time. Yeah. So that he's not your player. Like, the, exactly. So the Penguins will see Patrick Line if healthy on Friday. And those two games, listen. I know back-to-backs are very hard to, to come out and win. The last time the Penguins had it, it was also a home-and-away back-to-back. They beat the Blues, and then they went on the road to start that whole road trip and beat the Flyers. Can they do it again this time? 
I think that the teams they're playing are a lot less complicated to beat, but we'll see what ends up happening with that. Honestly, with Friday night, let Tristan Jari stay in Pittsburgh. Take Casey to Smith. Casey to Smith and Louis Domingue. Take them to Columbus and let Louis Domingue get the start. Why not? I don't know how that... Because salary cap might be, you know, might have to do a little bit of, of managing, but still. Not necessarily. Can no, you put Tristan Jari on the taxi squad for one game? Uh, are they making people go through waivers to get on the taxi squad? I have no idea. I don't know either. If they're <laughs> not, then absolutely stick them there. But also, healthy scratch them. Couldn't you do that? Couldn't you carry three and then just healthy scratch them and then... Because... You could probably put, like, Mark Friedman or somebody on... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to do. Because we've done it before. That's yeah. why I'm thinking it's like we've done it multiple times before it is a big big brain play but i but we're currently carrying only the two of them mm-hmm. so dismiss does get elevated but he is off um covid protocols shall... he's still on it on on yeah. uh yeah and that's supposed to get lifted i was just didn't see his name for a minute but yes yeah, yeah we've done it before so i don't know why we couldn't do it again yeah, that whole situation where Tristan Jari wasn't going up to Canada to play against the Canadians. It was Casey DeSmith, and then they pulled up a Mill Army. Or it was supposed to be Casey DeSmith, and they pulled up a Mill Army instead. Something like that. But uh, no. We'll see what happens with that. Honestly, either way, as long as Tristan Jari doesn't start on Friday, because, again, we need more games where he gets to take a break. And especially when you have a run of three games in four days. And with the team coming up Sunday, and we'll briefly talk about this because it's so far away... Penguins are going to play the Winnipeg Jets. The previous matchup in Winnipeg, the Penguins took it to them 3-1 to on a Monday night matchup. Should be a better team, really, in the Jets than we've seen. They're out of a playoff spot currently in the Western Conference. This team has all the offensive... Ma- Honestly, this team is good, but they haven't shown it. They have literally been a middling team this entire season. 15th in the NHL in goals allowed per game. Should be higher with the goaltender they have and the fact that they got better on defense. And 16th in goals per game. Look at the players on their team. There's no way they should be below 12th, I'll say, in the National Hockey League in goal scored. Yeah, they've been a good team for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Got to click at some point, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I know they're dealing with some injuries. Blake Wheeler's been out since December 10th. He did practice with the team earlier this week, so we'll see if he makes his return prior to that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Shoot, he might make his return in that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We don't know. And also, Nikolai Ehlers left Tuesday night's game with an injury and did not return. So those are two big blows to the Jets if they don't have them by Sunday. But again, there's a lot of time before then, so can't really take that into account. But looking at them, I mean, Kyle Connors, so good. Uh, P.L. Dubois, so good. Mark Shifley, so good. This is a team, Andrew Kopp, the list goes on and on. This is a team that is dangerous, and this is a team that is really going to test the Penguins' defensive structure and going to test Tristan Jari on Sunday. They will. It's just a matter of holding them off. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish off this show with shout-outs and call-outs. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. 
We're going to have shout-outs and call-outs here to finish off the show, to finish off the week, Horwat. Let's start with the, the positives. We'll finish on the down note, but we'll start with the positives today because, you know, it's been pretty positive the whole way through. Let's just keep that rolling. Who's your shout-out this week? I'm shouting out Bethel Park High School football coach Brian DeLalo. Did you see this story? I did see that story. Oh, man. Great stuff. So, for anyone who doesn't live in the Northeast... So, for anyone who doesn't live in the Northeast... Um, a snowstorm ripped through here not that long ago. I actually just spent all of my morning uh, shoveling off a uh, skate rink, and that my back hurts, my arms hurt, everything hurts. But so I do know that this is, that this is a good workout because the football coach for Bethel Park, Brian Delalo, canceled practice and weightlifting. I actually just that day and told his team to go out to and shovel the driveways and sidewalks of elderly and disabled people in the neighborhood and yes that's the way to do it teach these kids to do good things for others and yeah that's just a cool thing to do in general help your community out because it's not easy to shovel snow it's not easy to do it for four hours either Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's just that's good stuff to do it obviously it's helping the community out and i don't have too much more it's just a fun little story for the 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 kids Mm -hmm. yeah obviously like i was stuck in pennsylvania i I went home to visit my family in pennsylvania this week and i was stuck there for an extra 48 hours waiting for the the storm to pass and the roads to clear but for sure shoveling we all know anybody that is shoveled especially a large driveway knows that it is very difficult to uh not difficult it's an easy thing to do but it's a good workout and honestly being somebody who grew up doing you know football camps doing summer weightlifting or, you know, spring weightlifting, which is what I'm guessing they're in right now, I would much rather go out and shovel than go and, and go through some of those drills that, that they do during that. I don't like, I don't, I didn't go to Bethel Park, but no, it's a, it's a nice story and it's a good job from those kids and that coach. Great idea. And, you know, always nice to see a good story like that come across the wire. Yeah. And seeing some of the pictures of it, I mean, you got to do it with your buddies, you know, your teammates. Yeah. It's a, bit, a new bonding experience for them. One of the pictures I did see is I want to know the lucky kid that had the snowblower. Yeah, that like, kid yeah. got away with it. Joke's he took on the you. day off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he found the one. I'm a, He found the one house. He he brought his shovel definitely, but then that, you know that person in the house just said use the snowblower. It's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And he he lucked out that day. I'm a, I would hope he went and actually shoveled a different one, but. Hey, who knows? Maybe Still. he had a snowblower and was just like, I'm throwing this in the back of my truck. He's, and I'm, he's like, I'm, I got a pickup and a easy. snowblower. I'm getting yeah. out of this one. Yep. Yeah. And at that point, just make it a business. Like, not don't charge the old people. Charge the young people that are too lazy to do it. <laughs> um, and and then come dig me out of my spot because it took me 15 minutes to get out of a parking spot yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily enough for my mother, apparently everybody in my hometown loves her. Three different people came and... and plowed her driveway her driveway is literally 100 yards long so they plowed her driveway and the thing is they they couldn't obviously plow where the cars were so i went out and i shoveled that area and i was like okay they plowed i shoveled they'll plow again and we'll be good to go i'll I'll be good to leave well the last person that plowed just piled it up right behind the cars and i was like come on so i had the of course packed in 100 yards worth of snow behind both of the cars and it wasn't that bad but it was just you know Happened to go back out there a second time and being like, okay, I just did this. Yeah, my shoulders hurt for you. Yeah, shoulder and lower back. You know, I'm an old man now, 25 years old. My shout out this week 
goes to a couple of youngsters, younger than me, and, you know, much more skilled than me, and have stronger backs than me. Uh, my shout-out goes to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Chase being a rookie, Joe Burrow in his second season, they led the Cincinnati Bengals last weekend to a playoff win for the first time since 1990. Now, back in 1990, you know who that playoff win was against? I saw it. I don't remember, though. Hint, this team doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that's right. It was the Oilers. It was the Houston Oilers. The last time the Bengals won a playoff game. So Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, neither of them alive back then, are able to go out there, stunt on the Las Vegas Raiders in Cincinnati, and get the Bengals to the second round. Honestly, I think they have a good shot against the Tennessee Titans this weekend. But Burrow last weekend, 24 of 34, 244 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 110.4 QBR, and then Chase on the other end. He's just an electrifying player. Some of the catches and plays that he made is just absolutely ridiculous. And in a league where young stars are starting to make a difference earlier on in their careers, a guy that at the beginning of the season, people were giving him crap because he said, wait, there's no stripes on these footballs. It's going to make it pretty hard to catch him. He has gone out. He was one of the top five in receiving yards and did it once again in the wild card round. Nine receptions, 116 yards, three rushes for 23 yards. He didn't find pay dirt, but I guarantee you he will next weekend against the Titans. The, the Bengals are fun. It's, they are. It's, it's always weird when when another when a rivalry team is good and fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it's the Bengals because I feel like they just haven't been good for so long. I've kind of forgotten about the Steelers-Bengals rivalry. Yeah. Like, we're too focused on the Browns every year. The Ravens have gotten really good, so we start hating them a little bit more. The Bengals have just turned into this, oh, yeah, you're a team. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're fun to watch. It's just ironic that they're also uh, AFC North competitors. It was like the first uh, good Browns year. They were yeah. interesting. You didn't want them to win that much, but they were interesting to watch, and you were okay with them winning. At least their first one because the Bud Light thing was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but it's good to see them losing again, but it is okay and kind of fun to see the Bengals winning. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, because all three of the Steelers, because obviously both of us would like to root for the Steelers, all three of the Steelers' AFC North rivals have had surges recently where they've gotten increasingly better. Of course, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson and that running game down there, they were really good for a couple years, Lamar getting an MVP, the Browns getting Baker Mayfield and getting insurgents of talent with Odell. But I don't think those two teams had the likability factor of this Bengals team. Because you look at the Bengals' defense, it's a bunch of nobodies. It's a bunch of no-names. And Mike Hilton. If you're a Steelers fan, you know who Mike Hilton is. But it's a bunch of no-names and Mike Hilton, and that's a good defense. You look at Joey Burrow. He's a fun guy to watch. He has swagger. He has confidence. He's an LSU Tiger. He's a fun guy to watch. Jamar Chase, fun to watch. Tyler Boyd, former Pitt product, fun to watch. This team is just... There's not very non-likable names on this. A lot of people don't like Baker Mayfield. A lot of people don't like Lamar Jackson. Uh, Many, many people didn't like Odell when he was there. A lot of people don't like Kareem Hunt because of, you know, off-the-field issues. The Bengals are more likable. And Miles Garrett. But Ethan, Miles Garrett's a nice guy. He just, you know, sometimes gets a little crazy with the helmet. But the likability factor of the Bengals is very high. So congratulations to them. Honestly, I'm fine with any team that comes out of the AFC. Because it's a shit show this year, kind of. I mean, I hate to see that the fact that the Bills are taking on the Chiefs. I think that'd be a great AFC championship for the second straight year. But 
it'll be nice to see it in the divisional round. And one of these two teams, the Titans or the Bengals, are they going to be in the AFC Championship? That's crazy to think to me. Hell yeah, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. So let's yeah, move I'm... over to uh, let's move over to callouts, Horwat. Yeah. Okay. So my callout, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. So did you see the? Ready for the music portion of this episode? Oh sure. Did you see the utter wildness in the lineup of the When We Were Young Fest? I did not know. Ho- holy shit! Have you been on Twitter in the last hour and in the last twenty four hours? Uh, not so, very much actually. So that might be why. Fair. So I'm sure anyone who's listening to this already knows. So put it this way: I'll read off some of the names of this festival that is taking place in Las Vegas. Uh, so it starts with My Chemical Romance and Paramore. I believe Paramore is getting back together for this. Okay. Bring Me the Horizon, A Day to Remember, A- Avril Lavigne, Taking Back Sunday, Dashboard Confessional, Pierce the Veil, Story So Far, The Used, Alkaline Trio, AFI, Jimmy Eat World. I'm just going to show you this, Berlansky. Look at Holy. this. Is, this it, is not fan art. I thought it was at first. Yeah. Yeah. This is not. I'll move my light. This is a tour lineup. That's crazy. Um, it's a bunch of emo and punk bands. It's. Basically, warp tour, but for one day. And the call out is coming from all the people that are looking at this, seeing that is being put on by Live Nation, and immediately drawing comparisons to Astro World. I'm gonna tell you this right now: because it is a Live Nation event, does not mean that it is going to be like Astro World. Does this does this have the possibility to be a shit show? Yes. There's it's one day they're doing this in. I've heard they're only having three stages. There's 65 bands on this list. That Jesus. And also, I have not seen... And here's where I'm wary about the whole thing. I'm not going because, A, it's in Vegas. I probably won't be able to get there anyway. Um, and also, the pre-sale tickets are damn near $300. <laughs> and that's not including hotel, flight, and general Vegasness. Mm-hmm. I would love this to... I would love to go see this. I would. I also just don't like the festival vibe. But... Um, the comparisons to Astro World just because it's a Live Nation event is utter lunacy. Because if you were to boycott, if you will, and be scared of every Live Nation event that happened, you would have to stop going to Penguin Games at PBG Paints Arena because they're through Ticketmaster and that's a Live Nation thing. Um, I would have to get rid of like all the concerts that I have coming up because they're all through Live Nation. There are really only two that I can think of right now big promoters. Live Nation and AEG. And I only know AEG because that's Stage AE's thing. Uh, or their promoter. So, it's not... It doesn't have the possibility to be a disaster. Yes. More along the lines of a fire Festival disaster, though. Mm. Not the tragedy that was Astroworld. Yeah. Like I said, it's... It, it has the possibility to be terrible. I'm hoping that maybe a... And plus, where I'm wary is no one... I haven't seen anyone sponsor this yet. Who's paying for this shit? <laughs> Who is paying for this? Because, like I said, the tour poster looks like fan art. I thought it was fan art at first. Yeah. Because it's ju- it's all just the band logos. It's not like a regular Coachella poster where it's like a couple of logos, but then everyone's just getting their name in print. Yeah. No, it's all band logos. I thought it was fan art. It Clearly, they didn't pay a... Uh, uh, graphic designer? Yeah. Clearly, they didn't pay a graphic <laughs> designer. Um, I mean, maybe they did, and that's what they thought was a good idea. It's not. But, 
So I'm a little wary of it. I hope maybe a, a, a streaming service picks up on it, like Apple Music or something, and yeah. streams something. But it's not going to be Astro World. It's not. It, it might be Fire Festival, but it's not going to be Astro World. So let's save the Astro World talk. If you want to compare it to Fire Festival, by all means, because that's kind of what I'm looking at it as right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks nutty. It looks wild. And I would love for this to be affordable and closer and fun. I'm just wary of it right now. Once sponsors start stepping in, maybe. But I just won't be able to. It looks like a ton of fun, though. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy shit, does that look awesome. Yeah. The lineup is certainly just all-stars and mostly just, like, middle school, our middle school, like, history. Every time basically. I look at it, I find a new group that I'm like, oh, yeah, them. Like, yeah, it's so nutty. Yeah. So, I mean... We don't really live in an area that is keen on music festivals in the northeast of the United States. It's mostly reserved for the southwest or the south anything. But uh, no, it would be nice to be able to go to something like this. I just, I would not go to go to one. At least yeah, it's not as of right now. And certainly not going to Vegas to go to one. Yeah, me and Mega were legitimately, like before this was even announced, having the discussion of how just unfun festivals seem from our perspective of mm-hmm. poor fresh out of college kids yeah um I, like if you get a vip package and you're able to travel for it sure it's probably an awesome experience but there's just so much about festivals that doesn't seem appealing i don't know that's just me and i get why people yeah. love them i do like seeing some of the images and some of the clips it looks cool it's just not my vibe i'd yeah. rather just and i've never traveled for a concert outside of cleveland but that's because i could i could drive back in the same day mm-hmm. um so, like, I, I'd more like just the concert in your hometown. It's at the one place. It's just the one group. Warp Tour was a different animal. I will always admit that. But that's basically what this is trying to be. Mm-hmm. Warp Tour in one day. Everyone come out and have fun. Figure it out. Yeah. I just want to see some more organization. And who's paying for it is my <laughs> biggest question. Yeah, the whole in one day thing is the one thing that would give me pause. Like, you, you got three stages, 63 bits. So you, you're telling me there's going to be 20-some bands go on each stage in one day. One bonus is they have – it's in October. They have so much time to add Organize it. Yeah. Organize it. They just kind of said, here's all the names. Everyone have fun on Twitter. Yeah. That's all it's been so far. I'm yeah. sure that they'll figure out the flaws later. Like mm-hmm. I said, no one's sponsoring it yet um, that I'm aware of at least. Yeah. It's just a matter of, here are the names, and bands have agreed to it. Until I started seeing bands say, hey, we're going on this on this show. I didn't think it was real. Yeah, true. So, again, it, it could be Firefest. It could be an awesome thing that I'm trying my damnedest to get to next year. Mm-hmm. But it will not be Astroworld, and that was the point of this call-out. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, we I do have my call-out left, so I will briefly run through it really quickly, and then we will close out the show. My call-out... Hey, Megan. It goes to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm calling out the Dallas Cowboys. They lost 23-17. to Yet again, a first-round exit. Even though they did win in the first round, the previous playoffs that they made, they, they, they beat the Seattle Seahawks. Nice win there. But uh, this is a team that we all thought was going to be an offensive powerhouse. Kellen Moore is basically already interviewing for head coaching vacancies. And uh, to only score 17 points. The last play itself. Comedy oh, of man. errors. I mean... With, what, 15 seconds left, you call a quarterback draw, which does, I mean, it goes for 25 yards. I understand it. It would have been a genius play if it would have worked out. But the point is, how long has Dak Prescott been in this league? 
hand the ball to the referee. Don't put it on the ground. Don't hand it to your center. Hand it to the guy in the stripes that legally has to touch the ball before you can snap it because they missed it by one second. You know what that one second was? The ref moving the ball back an inch and everybody having to shift back and shuffle one inch. That's why you didn't get the last play because your quarterback and your center were both too stupid, too thick-minded to be able to be like, oh, the guy in the stripes, I should hand it to him so he sets it down and everybody sets it off that instead of just saying... This is where we are. We're going to set it down. Don't worry. We'll do your job for you. And the guy in the stripes being, you know, the NFL referee saying, that's not how this shit works. Back it up a yard. So just a comedy of errors. Dak Prescott, a 69.3 QBR. Not good enough by any stretch of the word for a quarterback that was supposed to lead the most potent offense, which was a lot of people considered the most potent offense in the NFL postseason. And then also the fact that your best receiver, I don't want to hear Dalton Schultz is good. I don't want to hear Amari Cooper's a stud. C.D. Lamb only had one reception. Oh, yeah. That's poor. Poor job by the Dallas Cowboys. Not the, not going to lie, I know a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans, and it's, it's hilarious watching them get upset year after year. But, you know, this is just... I'm calling them out because this literally... You should not have lost this game. You came out flat. You gave yourself an opportunity late. And then, stupid mistake by a guy that is heralded, I mean, Dak Prescott is heralded as one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. He hands it to his center. His center decides that he wants to spot the ball. He has a future career in NFL refereeing, apparently. He wanted to practice spotting the ball in the fourth quarter of the wildcard playoff game. And it cost the Dallas Cowboys that last second play that honestly, from 25 yards, who knows what could have happened. They did a hook to lateral to CeeDee Lamb earlier in that thing. You could have pulled off something crazy. It's not that difficult from 25 yards out to get one lucky play. It is much more difficult from 40. So I understand, and I know I'm rambling. I understand the uh, the quarterback draw. It would have worked out perfectly, but you just you got to be smarter than that and hand the ball to the referee. Dallas Cowboys, once again, out of the playoffs. Once again, not going to win the Super Bowl. The, the oddest of shades of Chase Claypool on that. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about that. I was like, there's no celebration there, but there was some stupidity after you got the first down happening. The referee literally, like, ran over Dak Prescott. Not It's not like <laughs> even that he didn't try to do it. He literally, like, the not safe for work, ran into the back of Dak Prescott. The ref was trying his damnedest to let them get that playoff. He was. Give that man credit. He was bolting it behind Dak. I'm sure he saw Dak run and said, "You, what are you doing? What are you? Get to the sidelines. What are you doing? Yeah. 15 seconds left, but he was trying his damn just to help him out, and not much he could do when he is a when he is just one referee, probably 5'10, maybe 200. They're athletic boys mm-hmm. going against six foot, whatever Dak Prescott, and six foot 300 plus, probably whoever his center was. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's not getting to that ball. He's not. Um, I mean, he almost did. He did almost, yeah, he almost did. Here's the thing, though. He he got to it, touched it, but if they would have just handed it to him, they would have had, I, I guarantee you, they would have had two seconds when that ball is spiked. Oh, yeah, probably. Another part of it, too, that same sort of situation where the ref had to touch the ball and they were waiting for him to move happened, like, a few minutes prior for them. I think they got, like, a delay of game penalty because the ref wasn't, he ha- wasn't set or set or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, just disaster. Uh, you wish for better for Greenfield Mike. Shout out Greenfield Mike, Mike McCarthy. But my God, is he won a Super Bowl? He beat the Steelers for a Super Bowl. Oh no! 
Shout out Rashard Mendenhall for giving that one up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I want to see Greenfield Mike do well. I'm also the only one that calls him Greenfield Mike, but, mm -hmm. I mean, he went to school with my dad. What do you want me to do? Fair enough. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. That's going to be it. Penguins three games in the next four days. So get ready to sit down, watch some not late night hockey, and watch the Pittsburgh Penguins hopefully get a couple wins against teams below them in the standings. Like I said, that's it for this one. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.